boot check. Basketball, basketball, college. Basketball, basketball, college. Welcome into another episode of the Heat Check Hangout, your number one source for all things basketball, basketball, college. I'm your host, Brian Ralph, joined as always by my co-hosts, Connor Hope and Riley Davis. Today, we're going to be breaking down the SEC Big 12 Challenge, getting you ready for a big weekend. Um, but guys, this is also the, the first episode after our Final Four draft, which we did the last episode. If you have not listened to it or watched it, so just go back and do so. Um Connor, I know I've been doing some thinking since then, and probably some things I would have done differently and teams I would have drafted. I, I don't know if I would have drafted Penn State, for instance. <laughs> um, but th- there's there's something I really would do differently. Um, Connor, I know you have the, the list. Is there anything you would have done differently for the Final Four draft before we start looking ahead to, to stuff this weekend? Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything specific I would have done differently. Um, I, I like my final four draft. Um, I, I might've, I might've picked Xavier instead of Texas or Arkansas. Cause I think that was the steal Riley getting Xavier with his last pick of that. It looks, first seven. it looks like it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, outside of that, I mean, I'm happy. I just, just for reference, right. Brian got of the seven final four picks, um, Brian's seven were Houston, Purdue, UConn, TCU, North Carolina, Kentucky, Penn State. Mine were Alabama, Arizona, Virginia, Tennessee, Texas, Arkansas, Miami. And then Riley's were UCLA, Kansas, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas State, Gonzaga, Xavier. Riley got the steal with Xavier, but uh, any concern about UCLA? I don't think they have one since. I don't think you. I don't think you have one since you picked them. <laughs> right. I honestly forgot I took Xavier, and I I just remembered taking UCLA, Kansas, and Gonzaga, all three of whom have sort of nosedived a little. Nosedived? A nose little dove? bit. We were recording during the <laughs> Gonzaga dove. game against LMU, Riley, yeah. and I was updating you guys about the Gonzaga game against LMU during that. And I was recording. like, oh, they're fine. And then they almost <laughs> lost to Pacific, too. Um, yep. So, yeah, not feeling great about Gonzaga, but thankfully that Xavier pick when I was like, oh, I got them with my last pick. Okay, I'm feeling good about that. Yeah. There's a little bit of regret that I didn't take TCU when I was just, like, loading up on the Big 12. Uh, I took Baylor and Iowa State back-to-back, and <laughs> I think TCU, if I'd taken TCU there, both Brian and Connor said that Iowa State would have made it back to me. And I still – I ended up with Kansas State with my pick after Iowa State, and – you know, feel okay about that, but I, I still would lean Iowa State with a more likely shot to make the Final Four um, between those two. And I'm feeling great about the Baylor pick too, though. My third, my third pick, Keontae George has been, yeah, Keontae George has been on fire, and I'm just still there. I think they're last I checked, number two offense in the country, and I'm just banking on Scott Drew and them figuring it out defensively by the time the tournament comes around. There are there are worse bets you could make. Let's put it that way. Um, I somehow ended up with the previous number one team, Houston, and the current number one team, Purdue. I want to talk about that first before we dive into the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Houston lost. Um, put some things. Was, there was a debate whether Purdue or Alabama should take their spot at number one. Now, Houston and Purdue are the only teams that have been number one since UNC lost. The preseason number one team lost that game at, uh, to Iowa State at the Phil Knight Invitational. Since then... Houston and Purdue have just swapped the number one ranking back and forth. There's a big push, and I think from an eye test perspective, certainly for Alabama to be in the number one conversation. So, Riley, I'll go back to you. As you evaluate those three teams, how do you think they stack up against each other? And for you, who should be the number one team? Well, I I feel pretty confident in Alabama as the best team in the country. That's a team who, even going into the year, uh, I kind of pinpointed how deep their guard group was with Mark Sears, Jaden Bradley, Namari Burnett, and Javon Quinterly. And even in addition to that quartet, they also have Rylan Griffin, who's coming along strong. Uh, they got Bidiaco, who's really fit this role as a as a defensive presence to, that has led Alabama to the best defense in the conference during SEC play. And by the way, I just said like two or three things before even getting to Brandon Miller, who's still he's still a National Player of the Year contender, probably number two right now to Zach Eady. Uh, So I think they have all the ingredients of a team that has veteran guards, veteran leadership. They play really hard on both ends. They're a fantastic rebounding team, and they have that the freshman talent as well that theoretically will get better and better as the year goes on. Now, of course, you run into the chance of 
either Bradley or Brandon Miller hitting that freshman wall. But even if that does happen, you have so many pieces around them and guys who can get hot on any given night that like you can survive that if, if Miller goes cold in a round of 32, a sweet 16 game or something. Uh, and kind of contrast that to Purdue. Purdue's a team that, you know, I'm always leave watching their games pretty impressed at how they execute offensively and everything. And what their freshman guards have done has been a talking point all season with both Braden Smith, Foster Lawyer. Yet at the same time, I think, well, I guess there's a, there's a conversation that's like, who's the best right now versus are you trying to project for the future? Because the hesitancies be with me with... Yeah, yeah. With the hesitancies with me with Purdue, where I'd give the edge to Alabama right now, is just I think Zach Eady's more exploitable uh, on the defensive end. Where you even saw Michigan do that in their game on Thursday, where there's a couple times where Eady was on the perimeter, he couldn't even really contain Terrence Williams, and I think Kobe Buffkin got him on the perimeter a couple times. You you match that up with a a smart coach in March who's got a deep backcourt. Like, let's say it's a Final Four game against Baylor or something, and you're going against a good coach and a deep group of guards. They're going to be able to put him in ball screens, and I just don't know what Painter's counter was going to be with this roster. Connor, who who is it for you? Yeah, for, for me, it's, it's Alabama. Um, Purdue is really good, and I think the guards have outperformed what we expected of them. Um heading into the season, at least from my perspective, I thought, you know, for sure, because they were freshmen, we were going to be relying on David Jenkins. Um, But I mean, the reason they're number one was because they were ahead of Alabama and they just, the the voters are are always hesitant to flip unless something Mm -hmm. happens, especially when it's two high major teams um, that are both performing really well. You look at Purdue they're, they have one loss in conference. Um, the two teams that they beat, they're two and one against teams with winning records in the Big Ten. The two teams they beat, they beat them on the road. Um, although they, they tried their best to give the game away to, to Michigan, but they beat them on the road. My worry with Purdue is just they they don't, First of all, they don't force turnovers. So every possession for the other team ends in a shot. Um, which when you get into the tournament, right? That that's mm-hmm. you wanna you wanna limit shots as much as you wanna limit points, right? Alabama has the turnover issues on offense um that Purdue doesn't have, but I think their guards are more aggressive. Their guards can carry mm-hmm. a bigger load where with Purdue it's like get the ball to Edie, right? The guards are good. Foster Lawyer yeah. is good. Braden Smith is good. Fletcher Lawyer. Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, I probably said, I think I said Foster there. also. Foster's down there at Davidson now. Still killing it. <laughs> good catch, Brian. But um, they're, they're both good, right? But but it still relies, I think, a little bit too much on Edie, um, mm-hmm. especially down the stretch uh, of games. And and look, this isn't Edie's fault, right? The The... I know Matt Painter came out the other day moaning and groaning about the fact that Edie gets hacked every time he touches the ball. Um, a lot of good bigs do, right? But Edie is seven foot four and never gets the benefit of the doubt. I get that. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's it's still a matter of guard play wins in college basketball. Alabama's two losses um, are not the end of the world, right? Both away from their home court. Um, <laughs> uh, Gonzaga, it, they lost to Gonzaga on Gonzaga's best game of the season. And they yes. lost and almost won. Like, they almost kept it close, right? And then they mm-hmm. lost to a UConn team that started off the season as the best team in the country, um, potentially. So those two losses are, are not a big deal. And they're blowing out a much stronger SEC Mm-hmm. then Purdue is playing these tight games where they win against a Big Ten that I feel like they're getting the benefit of the doubt on reputation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Go the ahead, same Riley. point I was thinking is like how Alabama is just obliterating quality teams. And Grant, I think that, I mean, the SEC might be a little bit overrated as, as well, just because some teams like 
Missouri's faded a little bit in conference play. Mississippi State has faded big time. LSU has like completely fallen apart. I don't even know if Alabama's played LSU yet. Oh no, they they won by like a they million. Won by forty. So <laughs> yeah, they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, so the SEC. It's not quite as strong as I thought it was in the non-conference portion, but still, Alabama. I still think beating Kentucky by 26 counts for something, even if this Kentucky Alabama, team is not. Alabama, according to Ken Palm, has the fourth toughest strength of schedule versus Purdue's 31. Both really good. Alabama's blowing those teams out. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they also played the number one team that no one wants to talk about in Carolina and, and beat them back in November. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they. Yeah. <laughs> They beat North Carolina. <laughs> I know, they beat I Houston. That, that Houston win is, is big. I think Bama at their best is the best team. Like nobody, nobody can touch them. But we've talked about the turnover issues that cost them against Gonzaga. Let's talk about them blowing out people in the SEC. They almost lost to Mississippi State at home this week because they didn't shoot the three well. They struggled with Vandy because they didn't shoot the three well. And this is something with Bama that has popped up Every now and again, it's not a, over, a huge issue because they have a top five defense. Their guards do a, attack. But they have games where they don't shoot the three well, which is fine. Every team does. But when you shoot as many threes as Bama does and have that as such a big part of your offense, it impacts you more when you don't shoot as well. It's why Mississippi State was able to hang around and, and almost win that game. Um, that, to me, gives me some concern in the one-game sample size of the NCAA tournament, particularly as you mm-hmm. move on and you start playing in bigger and bigger arenas that, you know, you can talk about the sight lines and domes and different things and everything right. like that. But, um, you know, if they're not making threes, they're beatable. If they are making threes at an average rate, they will steamroll you. And in the one game, zone size of the tournament, that that's the only thing about them that gives me some pause, combining with the turnovers. But, Brian, but where to you, that where point, but that point, Purdue – in a one-game sample size, you essentially – I would I wouldn't even double Edie. I would say I'm going to take yeah. Edie's two-point attempts over people. I'm going to limit everybody else, and I'm going to try and shoot threes against against Purdue. And in a one-game sample size, like, that worries me. Yeah. More because oh, yeah. if your star players can hit threes, then you can't play that game. Where if your star player works within seven feet of the basket – and you just get in front of him and hold him to even 60%, right? Mm-hmm. I'd trade two for threes all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like Bama more than Purdue. I trust Purdue more than I did a couple weeks ago because they've been in some of these close games and Fletcher Lawyer has delivered. Like, to me, he's it's become like, okay, I can ride Zach Eady for 35, 38 minutes, and then Lawyer will close it out. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have faith in them not – stumbling before they should in the NCAA tournament or in, in some of these big games coming up in the next month because of that. Their ceiling's not as high as Alabama's. Um, and I don't think Houston's ceiling is as high as Alabama's. We kind of saw that play out. But mm-hmm. I also – I think I trust Houston more. Like, up until that Temple game, that was Houston's only loss. And in that Temple game, Houston did everything Houston does. They held Temple in, like, 31% shooting – forced Temple to turn it over twice as many times as they did. They won the rebounding battle. They just shot incredibly poorly. And they were getting good looks. They were getting layups and just missing them. And the fact they've gotten back on track and have done everything they were supposed to do since then, and they had shown no signs of struggling like that leading up to it. To me, that lost Temple for Houston is one of those games. Right? It just didn't happen. Couldn't make a shot. It's fine. It happens. Um it's not indicative. They have not shown a pattern of that the way Alabama has. Um, I still think Alabama's ceiling is higher. I still think that the best or the best team. But I think from a baseline standpoint, um, for kind of to your point, Riley, you don't know who potentially like projecting forward versus now. I think Bama's the best team now. I think Houston is still the team I trust the most to make the longest run mm. in the NCAA tournament. No, that's definitely fair. I think even looking at the Temple game and what – what Houston does, I'm kind of in the mode where I'm probably just going to pick Houston to the Elite Eight every year until Kelvin Sampson shows me otherwise. You know, it just seems like that that's what they're doing, at least the Sweet 16. Like, they're a sure bet to make the Sweet 16 pretty much every year, probably the Elite Eight, because that style is so hard to match up with. Like, the offensive rebounding travels, the defense travels. But that even brings up a good question of, I agree with you that Alabama has the highest ceiling of the group. 
I don't know who I would take as as far as the ceiling goes between Houston and Purdue. And I I feel like preseason that would have sounded crazy. Even there's part of me that thinks it's crazy because Houston has Jarris Walker. I mean, they have the veteran front court, they have the veteran back court, but they also have this dude who's going to be a top six pick who is got a crazy good feel for a six eight freshman forward. Uh, can jump out the gym as well, and has been a much better shooter than I think anybody anticipated. So maybe I'm answering my question now, but there's something still where you, you you touching on the ways in which Fletcher Lawyer has had this penchant for making big shots, and it's like if he and Braden Smith can keep improving and avoid that freshman wall, and if you can continue to get production from Caleb first, I mean, it, it could be pretty much neck and neck with who who has a higher ceiling between those two teams. I I think it's I think it's Houston has the higher ceiling. Um, because I think they're they can be there. They have you have Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, and then you've got Zach Eady, and you need Zach Eady to play well. Houston has won games where Marcus Sasser hasn't played well. They've won games where Jarris Walker hasn't played well. Um, and and the other reason I think they have the the higher ceiling is is just because their defense raises that floor so high that they just need an above-average offense, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're great, right? Um, I think when we look at ceilings, we get too caught up, or we fans get too caught up in how many points can they score, right? Team like Alabama has a high ceiling because they could put up 100 on anybody mm-hmm. pretty much, right? Um, but Houston plays so slowly that they're never going to hit 100 because they're not going to take enough shots, which is fine. That doesn't limit their ceiling, but I think people look at that and say, oh, mm-hmm. well, they're playing in the 60s and 70s, so how high that can their ceiling really be? Mm-hmm. When if you look at like points per possession differential for Houston, like their ceiling is probably the highest, maybe the second highest behind Alabama in the country, um, just because they limit you so much defensively and they have the weapons on offense where the, any given night they can they can put up points. It's just a matter of, you know, I mean, they were scoring 80, 100 in the, at the beginning of the season. They put up, um, you know, 87 on SMU. Mm-hmm. Um, like 87 for Houston is like 100 for Alabama. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that that's fair. Um, talk about Alabama. They will face Oklahoma in Norman. And their game in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, the fact that it's these two playing, I, I don't want to get in my soapbox to talk about how um, there should be some dynamic scheduling here, and I'd love to see the SEC and Big 12 put best on best, second on second down the line so we don't have, like, Bama playing Oklahoma. Um, but it's a good opportunity for an Oklahoma team that kind of needs a win like this to really bolster their NCAA tournament hopes. Um, any chance of an upset? happening there connor no i mean yeah they're they alabama even in their losses right is they granted they they lost by double digits to both teams but like they lost to really good teams and you still felt like they weren't quite out of it right um and so uh, oklahoma I I think Porter Moser is going to get Oklahoma into a spot where they're consistently competing in the SEC. Um, maybe not for titles, but at least they're gonna they're gonna be a team that gets in two every two out of every three years into the tournament, etc. This is not that year, um, and so uh, you know I agree with you. I think there should be some dynamic scheduling. Although I think there are some pretty good juicy matchups um, mm-hmm. throughout this challenge, uh, but. Of of all the games in this in this challenge, that's the game where I'm the most confident an upset will not happen. Which means that the upset will happen. But that's the game where I'm the most confident that that the, the favorite would win. You feel the same way, Riley? I assume about Alabama and Oklahoma in particular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they're going on the road, and I'm sure Norman has a tendency to like get a little rocking for those big games, but. For me, it's like who on Oklahoma is checking Brandon Miller and then even looking at that front court matchup between Charles Bediaco, Noah Gurley, and the Groves brothers. Uh, and that kind of tells you all you need to know right yeah. there. And they, they got they got bodies to throw at Grant Sherfield. Like 
you take him out of the game, uh, they sh- yeah. they shouldn't have too much trouble getting. Well, I'm sure you probably won't take Sherfield completely out of the game, but they shouldn't have too much trouble neutralizing what can like yeah. occasionally yeah be a spurt of limiting offense. his limiting his effectiveness and making him more mm-hmm. efficient than he'd like to be. Well, mm-hmm. Connor, you talk about some of those juicy matchups. There are two in particular. The headliner is going to be Kansas and Kentucky because it's Kansas and Kentucky. <laughs> uh, Riley, yeah. they're, they're, both of them are headed in different directions. Kansas has lost um, three in a row now. Um, I think if they lose four, it would be Bill Self's first four-game losing streak since he took over in Kansas. Uh, so that's on the line. Kentucky seems to have turned things around. They've won, I think, four games in a row um, with a chance to really put a stamp on that. You break down that game, break down what's happening with Kansas and Kentucky. How do you see that unfolding? I I still think Kansas ends this skid. It's just hard for me to kind of bet against Bill Self in this spot. And I know Kentucky's been playing a lot better recently. Uh, they had the – I mean, obviously they beat Tennessee, took care of a, a surprisingly good Georgia team. And Sheboy's been playing a lot better too. I think mm-hmm. uh, this time last week he was at – He's upped his scoring and rebounding averages by like a full point or two, even over the past week, week and a half. Um, I think, and I do think they found something with this lineup of Kaysen Wallace, Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick, Jacob Toppin, and and Sheboy, and just the ways in which having two shooters on the floor opens it not only for Big Oscar, but also for Toppin as well, who is looking a little bit like he's living up to some of that preseason hype. But uh, I don't know. I still just... It's so tough to envision Kansas struggling that much with this roster that still has Jalen Wilson, who's a National Player of the Year candidate, uh, that has a stable point guard even if he's limited. And Grady Dick and Kevin McCuller, well, I know Grady Dick had, I think he had a decent game against Baylor, made some big shots, but McCuller can't continue to play this poorly (laughs) offensively. Like, I know he's still going to bring it on defense, but you got to... Eventually, he's going to snap out of it. Like, against Baylor, there was one possession I remember watching where he clanked a wide-open corner three. K.J. Adams got the rebound, kicked it back out to him, and he clanked it again. It's like, eventually, some of that luck's got to flip because I know he's like a career 32% shooter, but I don't know. When you're wide open like that, you got to step up and get it done. That's my concern here. To me, this is the game that's going to lead to a ton of overreactions because I think Kentucky wins. It's at Rupp. Oh, it's wow. at Rupp. So I'm, the, I'm the only one with my with my Final Four draft, it's, Kansas Jayhawks, yeah. baby. You go ahead, you go ahead, Connor. <laughs> it's at Rupp. Uh, Kentucky shoots the ball well. Kansas shoots it well from deep. They just don't shoot it enough. Um, my big concern is Kansas is an under, uh, is an a below average defensive rebounding team going up against the best offensive rebounder in the country. Kentucky's going to shoot yeah. the ball well, and they're going to get a lot of second-chance points, and that's See, my concern at home, and that's my See, concern. I don't know. I I think that McCuller and Dewan Harris, they can they can get in the grill of Case and Wallace. They can get in the real grill of Reeves, and if if they can open up the game and run in transition, hopefully you can, like, get Frederick off the court, play him off the court. But then again, I don't know. That, but the, but the, the issue is that Kentucky but, also doesn't turn the ball over. They don't turn the ball over, and they and they get offensive rebounds so that the, the opportunities to get out in transition just – aren't necessarily there mm-hmm. for Kansas. It feels like, too, Kansas's offense is stuck in the mud a little bit. Like you mentioned them wanting to get out in transition and do those things, Riley. They haven't been able to. Those are things they were able to do up until a week and a half ago, really. And they'll be able to get back to do them again. But right now when they play offense, it seems like it is either Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick or nothing. Like they have, they have kind of stopped – Bearing the ball, they've they've gotten in a rut. They've gotten to a point where it becomes, okay, these are our go-to guys. They're established. And it feels just like just by watching them, everybody else has scaled down their aggressiveness because they know that they should get it to Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick. And Wilson and Dick have been phenomenal. They're excellent offensive players, and I have no problem with them taking majority of Kansas' shots. That's what should happen. But when Kansas has been at their best – I'm going to point to like the second half of all of these like comebacks or close games that they've played that they've gone on runs for. They've had Dewan Harris and KJ Adams and pick and rolls. They've had Jalen uh, Jalen Wilson doing some pick and roll action. They've had Grady Dick coming off screens. Like there's been movement. There's been a lot of McCuller in transition. 
that's when he mm. has done a lot of his scoring because he is such a poor shooter who will clank him from the corner. Um, he's a career 29% shooter. So maybe I, maybe he's yeah. not just going to snap out of these missed corner threes, no. but <laughs> he, he needs, to, he needs to attack and he's not right now. Dwana Harris is somebody who will always look to pass first. That's one of the things he does incredibly well, but they need him to um, be a little bit more aggressive. Not necessarily scoring more, but be more aggressive. They need KJ Adams to get back into the, the way he was playing a couple weeks ago. Uh, and all of that will happen. I just don't think it'll happen against a team where you have one of the best bigs in the country. KJ Adams has been great. You guys know how much I, I love KJ Adams and I'm big of a fan of his game I am. He wins that matchup every time mm-hmm. right now. Kason Wallace is, I think, more talented than anybody Kansas has on the perimeter. Add those shooters in there, newfound depth, just the fact it's in Rupp. And Kentucky did this around this time last year, if you remember. I, I, I don't remember. I don't think it was. Yes, it was. It was at Kansas where Kentucky went into Kansas, the SC Big 12 Challenge, and won by like 20. But they were up mm-hmm. by 30 plus. One calendar day after it's happening this year. It was the yeah. 29th of January yeah. last year and the 28th they this put, year. They put a huge stamp in there. That, that was the time where everyone's like, all right, Kentucky's back. They won the championship. What's wrong with Kansas? Mm-hmm. And to me, this feels like the same kind of overreactions could be brewing from this one game, just given the way both teams are playing right now. Do you think there's any sort of emotional lift that, like, getting annihilated in your home building can sort of put Kansas over the edge? Like, maybe McCuller decides today's <laughs> – it's going to be one of the days where he, he, he goes one for three from three or something. <laughs> Grady Dick. Well, I guess Grady Dick wasn't there last year, but. Well, neither so, was McCuller. Neither was. Like, yeah, there true. Were quite a few. People, yeah. Or that weren't I, playing, right? Mm-hmm. I think maybe, but this is also the same Kansas team. We're not used to seeing lose two games in a row. Like we're talking about whenever Kansas lose a game, it's, oh, I feel bad for, you know, X opponent they play next because they're going to get an angry Kansas team. And, you know, that one loss has turned into two and turned into three. So I, I'm not as concerned about that if I'm a Kentucky fan as much as I am excited about the fact that, like, okay, there's this team that's lost three in a row struggling offensively coming in to play a hot Kentucky team at Rupp. Kansas, I mean, Kansas's slate, the past four games and then the next four games, it's brutal. Whole Big 12. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the, it's the Big Twelve, um, right? But the, but this slate where it's like Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Kentucky, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas is just mm-hmm. yeah. Like even for the Big Twelve, they don't get any of the West Virginias or the Texas Techs or the Oklahomas right. there. Yeah, you know, That's I'm true. looking back at Kansas's schedule, and I was reminded they beat Texas Tech by three. They squeaked by Oklahoma at home, and maybe y'all are right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm, I'm waffling now. Looking, at, <laughs> looking at, at <laughs> glad, kind of, glad we could glad we could bring you around. They should. They, they beat Oklahoma State by two at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. They should have lost to Iowa State. Iowa State played their butts off that game in Fog Allen, and oh my! But Kansas well, Kansas is a good team. Kansas is a good team, um, but they are struggling, and I I think we're probably a little bit inflated because of the defending national champions. And we're able to win those games against teams we now know aren't aren't quite mm-hmm. as good. Well, we also thought that KJ Adams was just going to be this Swiss Army knife type big man throughout the rest of the year, and he sort of faded into oblivion. I know what what made you like what made you so high on him, Brian? I know you were banging the KJ Adams drum a couple of weeks ago as a as an All American possibility next year for next year for next year. Uh, defensively, what he provides is athleticism. He can guard bigs with his strength and leaping ability switch on to guards, no problem. Like, now Kansas switches one through five defensively. They're mm-hmm. good defensively because of it. Um, he's done well with pick and roll. He's shown more touch on his jumper, good around the rim. Like, he's not somebody who is going to be a superstar, but he thri- can thrive in the role that Kansas needs their bigs to play. And he's also mm-hmm. he's also going to get playing time because Kansas has no other bigs. <laughs> it's why he was there <laughs> in the first place. He's going he's gonna to put up numbers. Um that's the headliner, but the best game from a like ranked on rank standpoint, Tennessee and Texas, the Rick Barnes Bowl, if you will, Connor. Um, 
I don't know how to match this up because uh, both teams can be a little Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and we might get an awesome game. We might get a 45 to 44 game that's ugly as hell. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that both teams have had, granted, the conferences there in are tough, but both teams have had a relatively forgiving slate leading up to this, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, um, Tennessee's last three games uh, after the Kentucky loss were Mississippi State, LSU, and Georgia. Um, Texas's last three games were Iowa State, uh, but then West Virginia and Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Like, their last four games, Iowa State was the tough one they lost, and then um, they, they the other three were, were relatively, relatively forgiving. Jeez. Um, ah. I like I like Tennessee from a like percentage that I think they win, like a chances that I think they win perspective. It's at home. Um Tennessee's defense is reliable. It's the most reliable unit on the floor in that game. Every other unit is at this point I think pretty unreliable. Um that's the most reliable unit in the game. And so that's that's why I think they win cuz I I mean both offenses can be hot and cold. Um, Texas's defense, while it's not bad, um, it has dipped since uh, what you know everything that happened in December. Um, Tennessee has the best defense in the country. Uh, their 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 offense isn't that great, but I I just I think they win this one. Riley, I'm so tempted to go with Texas. I I hate this. Well, maybe I shouldn't say I hate this. It just goes ag- completely against what I thought in the preseason, but I'm enamored with this backcourt. <laughs> like, I thought this backcourt was going to be hyper inefficient from the field. Even though I, I like Tyrese Hunter as a player, I think he's a terrific defender and a good floor general in the sense that, like, really good passer, really good at taking care of his teammates, getting them set up. But Marcus Carr has been, like, shattering his his previous efficiency numbers. Like he's shooting over 40% from the field, over 40% from three. I want to say he's at 44% from the field right now, which he's never gotten anywhere close to that. And he's still averaging 17 points per game. Maybe it's because he's like 24 years old and doing this against like 19 and 20 year olds, but it's still, I mean, that matters. And so I thought he looked terrific against West Virginia last week and Tyrese Hunter. It seemed like they really had it figured out where some of the passes, like he was just probing that, that, Mountaineers defense was still pretty good and finding open guys in the paint like it was nothing. So I, I like what they can do and, and think that gives them a little more of a cushion against the best defense in the country. But ultimately, I'll still probably lean Tennessee just because of the, the home factor of it all. And I think mm-hmm. Tennessee's able to, if they need to, they can win ugly. They can make it a game in the 50s, and they're very comfortable at playing at that pace. Uh, I would be shocked if Tennessee – does what it's been doing to these weaker opponents and wins by like double digits to 20, 30, 40. Like they, I think they beat Georgia by 40, but uh, yeah. So I, I'd give a slight lean to, to Tennessee, but that Texas backcourt, I mean, if they're on, they have the goods to beat this team. That's how Tennessee is an efficiency darling is they beat the snot and the lesser <laughs> teams they play that they, that they should beat. Um, yeah, to me, this is a toss-up. I think I talked about it before. I think both are going to be really good defensively. Uh, if it was in Austin or on neutral court, I think I'd take Texas, and I don't really think twice about it. Because it's at Tennessee, though, um, you're going to have that defense playing at its best. I think you're going to get a better offensive performance than you sometimes can get at a Tennessee. Um, I, to me, this feels like we talked about kind of like the overreaction statement win for Kentucky. Um, it's not going to have the same kind of overreaction, but to me, this is the statement win for Tennessee to solidify that, at least in the in the broader discussion, solidifies them as one of the nation's best teams and puts them in contention for a one seed before mm-hmm. they inevitably lose to an eight or seven in the NCAA tournament because <laughs> that's what Tennessee does. Um, to me, like to me, this is the peak of that trajectory, and then everything kind of starts falling off a little, a little bit for them as they get into SEC play. Uh, a little bit further, so I Tennessee is good. Like I, I think they have what it, they're going to have enough offense to win this game. Um, the result of it, unless it's a blowout, but either way, which I don't expect, uh, I don't think it's going to swing my opinion of one team either way. Mm-hmm. 
Some of the other games, I think the other one, the other big one, Arkansas and Baylor playing each other. Um, it'd be great if we had a fully healthy Arkansas for this matchup. Um, but we talked about it on the Final Four uh, draft when Connor picked Arkansas that this is the time when Arkansas turns things around. And they've won a couple in a row now. Uh, if you want to put a stamp on it, you beat a, a Baylor team that's turned things around on the road. I think this is in Waco. Um, so, Connor, is 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 this the, the continuation of Arkansas's turnaround, or does Baylor keep things rolling? Uh, both. <laughs> like, I okay. think Baylor wins this game. <laughs> um, so, I, I think Baylor wins this game. But, I mean, if you look at the way that Arkansas lost when they were losing five five of six, right? They mm-hmm. they lost to Auburn by 13. They lost to Alabama by 20 or 15. They lost to Vanderbilt by 13. 13. They lost to Missouri. Um, and so I think, I think they keep it close against Baylor, you know, one or two possessions. Um, but, but at the end of the day, Baylor's fully healthy. Baylor's rolling. Um, and and I just don't see them losing this game to a team that's not fully healthy, that's still on a turnaround. And, and until I see Arkansas beat a good team, um, I'm not going to, especially a good team on the road mm-hmm. um, or away from home, uh, I'm not going to trust it. Because if you look at their wins, right, the, the only team that you could consider a good away from home win for Arkansas uh, is San Diego state back in over Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Maybe. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm leaning Baylor until I see Arkansas. And I think, Ar- I mean, granted, Arkansas is still, it's one of my final four teams. I think they turn it around. I just don't think this mm-hmm. is the game where you see the results of that. Riley. I would lean Baylor by double digits. I think Baylor <laughs> might blow them out. Yeah, I like. I know Arkansas has two wins in a row over Ole Miss and LSU, but that's just not something that moves the needle much. Um, and I think there. I think one of the biggest storylines will be like, do we see Scott Drew go back to his zone defense? Because you know that's what teams have been doing to Arkansas recently. They can't play against his zone. Scott Drew has a bit of a history doing that. I know he probably hasn't really relied on it in what like four or five years, but. I'd be interested to see if that's a wrinkle he throws in there, but no, I think that the the trio of Keontae George, LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, like as good as Arkansas can be defensively between Anthony Black, Devo Davis, Ricky Council, I don't think you're going to be able to slow down all three of those. Uh, you probably maybe you get an off game for one of them, and that's why I just I think that the the, the Bears continue to roll behind that home crowd and end up winning at least by double digits, maybe teetering on the brink of a blowout. I'm bummed that would be... got, got stripped of a Nick Smith, Keontae George. I know. That's what it should that... be. I mean, that's clearly what they were thinking when they put it on the schedule. Yeah. That would just be, that would be Baylor's second double digit win over a power, uh, over a high major team. So I'm not sure I'm willing to go double digit win. <laughs> Wait, oh, really? Yeah. They beat, they beat UCLA by five. They beat Gonzaga by one. They beat Washington by Washington State by six. West Virginia was a five-point game. Oklahoma State's the double-digit win, 16. Texas Tech was seven. Oklahoma was two. And Kansas was six. See, this is I'm why I don't say... bet. I just, I just go with my gut and don't look at any facts to, to back this up. I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll win by double-digits. <laughs> Not going to let you just gloss over the fact that you just slid – WCC, don't play anybody Gonzaga in there with the other high major teams. <laughs> well, if I'm talking Washington State. I know. <laughs> Gonzaga, Gonzaga belongs to the conversation. Um, Dang, they really did only beat Washington. How did they only beat Washington State by six? That's... How did oh, Washington State was it? beat Arizona by a bunch? Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, that was a new, it was a neutral court game. It wasn't in Waco. I, um... That's a good point because to me this felt like the kind of game that's close for 37, 38 minutes and then Baylor kind of pulls away at the end uh, with just a couple of Keontae George plays being at home. Probably falls in line with a 7-8 point victory. So, yeah. Conversely, though, how many teams, how many power conference teams has Arkansas lost to by double digits? Could we could, 
I feel like they've had a lot of double-digit losses recently. You um, reeled them off. Sorry, I just not to make you do that again. But yeah, uh, double-digit losses. They lost by three to Creighton, three to LSU, thirteen to Auburn, fifteen to Alabama, thirteen to Vandy, and three to Missouri. So three, thirteen to Vandy is lost. <laughs> They're losing by 13 to Vandy is all I need for my argument for Baylor to win by double digits. <laughs> yeah, that, that was also that weird game where Vandy was pissed off after the half. It was, it was still close for most of the second half. And then I Vandy do remember, pulled, yeah, Vandy pulled away late. And Jerry Stackhouse being upset about something, I, I don't believe it. Um, no, but, but, but it, was, it, was, it was the I'm going to walk over the Vandy player game. Oh yes, uh, where, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good call, good call. That was, that was a good right pull. for Jerry Sackhouse to be mad about. Yes, <laughs> yeah. um, two ranked teams going on the road. Do we expect Auburn to have any trouble at West Virginia or TCU to have any trouble? They're going to lose to West Virginia. Calling it yeah. now. Okay, why? Because <laughs> Auburn's not that good. <laughs> like not West good. Virginia, not that good away from home. Right. And and West Virginia has lost a bunch of recent games, right? They they, mm-hmm. they lost on the road in overtime to Kansas State, lost on the road to Oklahoma State, lost on the road to Oklahoma. The Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game, losses aren't great, but again, on the road in the Big 12. And then they lost to Kansas, Baylor, and Texas at home. Um, and so you look at their record – doesn't look good, right? They mm-hmm. they do have the home win over TCU. Um, they they are just kind of a middle of the road team that that is you know they could make it in their their resume doesn't I think fit the level of play that they can play at. Uh, Auburn turns the ball over a ton, and <laughs> they don't shoot the ball well, and they're relying on defense. But you look at. You look at the teams, they're 6-2 and two in conference, right? With losses to, to Georgia and Texas A&M. And their wins are Florida, a hurt Arkansas team, Mississippi, Mississippi State, LSU, and South Carolina. Like, Whoa, I, know it was, I know it was said, <laughs> I forget who said it, was it, uh, who said it on, on After Dark? But I agree, Auburn is the biggest fraud in college basketball right now. <laughs> their record is so inflated by playing just poor teams like they what what's their best win florida probably mm-hmm. arkansas I mean, they, arkansas by by resume standards yeah but, um and they straight up got ran off their own court by texas a texas a&n team that is like equally as fraudulent uh that has just as much of an inflated record recently like tyrese radford got whatever he wanted to at the rim in that game uh, to where that's a, I mean, Radford's a good player, but I think that's a, a, a bit of an indictment on that Auburn defense that they have been leaning on a lot. Yeah, they have, they have two, they have two or three, they have three top 50 wins. Auburn does. Northwestern. Yay. <laughs> hey, Northwestern is Florida. in third place in the Big Ten. <laughs> we need to talk about fraudulent. Florida. <laughs> Florida's top and, 50 and uh, uh, they're 44 on Ken Palm and Arkansas. I think I think this is the start of Auburn coming back down to earth. Because so I was Virginia and they played Georgia at home, but then it's they run through a, a three game stretch where it's at Tennessee, at AM, home against Bama. Yeah. And then they get Missouri, Vandy, Ole Miss, and then they before they close at Kentucky, at Bama. Home against Tennessee, yeah. like yeah, that's they're rough. they're they're what right sixteen and four right now. Mm-hmm. I yeah. would not be surprised if they go into selection Sunday with twelve or thirteen losses. Yeah, um, West Virginia has uh, they only they only have two top fifty wins, right? TCU and Florida, the same Florida team that they blew out by almost four to thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, they only have one loss to a team outside the top 50. And that is the one point loss on the road at Oklahoma. That's it. Like West Virginia is that team where their resume doesn't look good. But I think part of that is just, they've had a really tough schedule and they're not, they're not that good. Um, (laughs) But if they played Auburn schedule, 
they would be better. They would be in a very similar spot, yeah. if not if not better. Um, and Auburn turns the ball over a ton, and I know this team isn't the best defensively. It's still a Bob Huggins team that forces a ton of turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> Riley, do think... you have any any similar concerns about TCU going on the road to face Mississippi State? I don't. Uh, I don't. I mean, we've seen Mississippi State. They couldn't get it done against Alabama. They had some really rough performances before that. And I think just the the way that TCU forces turnovers, the way they defend, control the glass, uh, and how they just have it's like their whole perimeter unit is just made up of dudes who can get out and run the floor and get easy buckets in transition. I don't know what Mississippi State's turnover turnover percentage is but it doesn't matter because tcu will find a way to turn you over i think between mike miles damian ball shahada wells probably someone else i'm forgetting about they're gonna be getting out and running and tearing it up a little bit yeah i i agree tcu is one of those teams i'm not concerned about and as long as they don't like flip a a switch in a negative way and Mm -hmm. start showing like some some consistent struggles um their team i'm going to be irrationally high Come well, and, and, and it's it's not about being irrationally high. Mississippi State has lost eight of their last nine games. Once the schedule into yeah. this one. Once the schedule, yeah, yeah. And and their their best win is Marquette before they became what Marquette is now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, TCU. They, they they have the Northwestern State loss at home. That's that's the that's the bear right, but. They lost by two to Iowa, a really good Iowa State team at home. And then they lost by four to a really good Texas team on the road. And mm-hmm. the West Virginia one, again, it, that's their Big 12 bear, right? It's, they, they shouldn't have – it's on the road. They shouldn't have lost by that much, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. They also have the wins over Kansas State and Kansas over the last two weeks. Um yeah. And they're just a good basketball team, right? They they rebound well. They um, offensively. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to talk about their defensive rebounding, <laughs> but that's another matter. Um, they don't turn the ball over, but they also force a lot of turnovers. Their big issue is we can't shoot threes. But again, to beat Mississippi State, you don't have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? Someone tells they, me Mississippi State to... can't really shoot either. They can't. They can't. No, they're worse. And, yeah. They're and TCU... 353rd in three-point percentage. Oh, season. solid. <laughs> Bottom 10. Um, TCU has tried to mitigate that, too, by running as much as possible. Yeah. And, that, and that's that's done really well for their offense. Um, huh. Mississippi State, like, judging by the numbers, they're basically like a much worse version of TCU. They're 10th in defensive efficiency, yeah. 16th in offensive rebounding percentage, and like Connor said, 353rd in three-point percentage. They, so they shoot yeah. 28% from three. 48% from two and 62% from the free throw line. Oof. <laughs> Offense is not good. <laughs> Offense is not good. Um, there are, I think, a trio of other games. I think there's three that we haven't talked about um, that just get your guys' thoughts on Iowa State at Missouri, Ole Miss at Oklahoma State, Texas Tech at LSU. Okay, I guess there's four. And then Florida at Kansas State. <laughs> There's only three. There's, yeah, we, seriously. We we're, we're not Texas talking about So I was looking at Texas Tech's schedule after they lost to West Virginia at home this week. They fell to 0-8 in Big 12 play. Um, Texas Tech has one more home game against the unranked team, and it's the last game of the season against Oklahoma State. Like, and just look at the schedule at large. If Texas Tech does not beat LSU on Sunday, there is a or on Saturday, there is a good chance Texas Tech does not win a game the rest of the season. They're not going to beat LSU. Um, they should be LSU. But, LSU is so bad. So is Texas Tech. Tech is. <laughs> Tech is... <laughs> okay, so All right, let's, we've already spent more game, time on this game than I wanted to. That game yeah, aside, Texas Tech will Texas Tech will win that game. But it, that it's not game aside, Florida at Kansas State, Ole Miss at Oklahoma State, Iowa State at Missouri, Riley. Um, any of those three you feel like have intrigue beyond? the fact that it's a basketball game on TV. 
<laughs> I'm intrigued by Florida and Kansas State for sure. I mean, you have the Keontae Johnson storyline there where he's playing against his old team. Obviously, I don't think he left on bad terms or anything, but uh, I wonder if there's going to still be any sort of desire mm-hmm. for him to like ball out against his old team. Uh, and I think Florida's been playing a little bit better recently, and their their defense has been stronger. That's kind of been the, the calling card this year. And, I mean, Kansas State has had moments where it's been unstoppable offensively, so... Yeah, curious to see how that plays out. Connor? Um, I I am interested for the Missouri-Iowa State game. Um, you know, I think it would be a different story uh, if if Iowa State was hosting that game. Um, mm-hmm. just, from, just from the perspective of Iowa State doesn't really lose at home. And, uh, you know, I... I think it'd be tough, but um, Missouri has a really good, a really, a really good offense, right? A, a really good offense, um, but their, their defense is lacking. Iowa State's offense is better than Missouri's defense. Again, they're on the road, and in road games this season, true road games this season, they're two and three. Not great. Granted, you know, against really good teams. Um, but they ha- they have the loss to Oklahoma State. They have the loss to to Iowa on the road, um, and in those games that they lost on the road, they fit. Text Kansas they hit sixty, but um, they failed to clear sixty uh, in in those losses. And and if they can't hit sixty against Missouri, that's when you start to get into that territory. Like Missouri could win that game, right? If if they can mm-hmm. hit seventy against Missouri. Like I think it's going to be really tough, um, just because their defense is so good. Um, but uh, if they can't clear sixty, like that's where maybe not double digits, but that's where you start to talk about like it's an overreaction game, right? It's a yep. Missouri could win that game by eight to ten, um, because it's it's a true road game for Iowa State, and they they they're they're actually good in neutral site, but but the true road mm-hmm. games have been a struggle. Um, and you overreact a little bit to that win, even though it's probably a little bit closer than you might think. To me, these three are about one side needing a victory, right? Missouri is three and four in its last seven games. If you're able to beat Iowa State at home, able to beat Iowa State, that kind of firmly stamps, I think, your tournament resume, where you can struggle down the stretch and not worry about your chances of making the NCAA tournament with a win like that. Florida, if you're able to beat Kansas State in Manhattan, that suddenly turns you into, okay, your NCAA tournament chances look a lot different than they they do right now. Oklahoma State, we've talked a lot about the Big 12 potentially getting like, you know, seven or eight teams in. It shrunk from the whole conference getting in. Uh, There are six for sure. The top six in that league, Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, um, Iowa State, and somebody else I'm forgetting right now. Um, but Oklahoma State is in, can be that 7th or 8th team just based on how strong the metrics are going to be by playing in the Big 12. But you can't lose to Ole Miss, right? That, especially at, at home in Stillwater, you can't lose that game. So, like, to me, those three have that intrigue where if it's close, if any of them are close, it becomes, oh, okay, this is, this is something that could be very impactful. Um, but I think there's just a good of a chance that all three of them are blowouts. Yeah. So before we get out of here, we have not done this in a while, but we have traditionally closed every episode with a bold prediction uh, for the weekend with this being the SEC Big, SEC Big 12 Challenge. I think it makes sense to bring it back to give a bold prediction for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Connor, I will start with you. What is your boldest prediction for what we're going to see from these games? Don't start with me. I'm not ready. Um, go to Riley first. I'm Riley. Think about it. All right. I got two. Bring them. My, my guy, Gabe Kalsher and the oh. Iowa State Cyclones, who I drafted in the Final Four draft and will be standing for the rest of the season, they're going to drop 90 points on Missouri and a 15-point win on the road. They're going to put the clamps okay. on Mizzou, Kalsher and Grill. Both going to hit a bunch of threes. That's the first one. Second is turning into the game in Lexington. 
Grady Dick goes off for 25-plus points. Kevin McCuller hits not one but two three-pointers, and the Jayhawks get it done in a close one in Lexington. <laughs> Mine is, is going to be similar to that. Or I, I I think Kentucky beats Kansas. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think it's convincing. And then I think all the talk next week is if can if Kentucky is the best team in the country now. Because that's the Kentucky overreactions. It's more gonna <laughs> it's more about the reaction to the game than anything else in terms of that prediction. Like I think we have these issues where suddenly there comes a what's wrong with Kansas is the bottom falling out, <laughs> which it's not. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it's Kentucky, mm-hmm. the best team in the country now. Should they be favored to win the national championship? No, they, should, they not. should not. <laughs> but that, that's going to be the discourse after a solid, convincing Kentucky win. I should adjust this because I did math wrong in my head. It's 6-4 Big 12. But I think the big, <laughs> the big games are going to go to the SEC. Mm-hmm. So the Big 12 is going to win. 6-4, but the big games mm. are going to go to the SEC, and we're going to still get that talk about how um, the Big 12 is overrated. So just you're, thinking, because... you're thinking Kentucky beats Kansas, Bama beats Oklahoma, Tennessee beats Texas. Um, and Missouri beats Iowa and State. And Missouri beats Iowa State. Yeah. All that's very plausible. Yeah. Big 12 but... just lucky South Carolina didn't. Participate this year to be SEC dominant. Just ask Kentucky, Bye. man. Just ask, just yeah. ask the team that will be the best team in the country come Sunday. Yeah, but but I I, I mean honestly I I think this I the one thing I hate about the challenges is just that right you you get, you've got all these results they're not necessarily like fair right mm-hmm. you, you've got you've got Kansas is playing an unranked Kentucky but it's it's Kentucky's playing well now, right? And Baylor gets Arkansas and uh Iowa State gets Missouri, right? Those those should be wins for the Big 12, but they might not be. Those are probably the, you know, three of the top four. Uh, te- Texas gets Tennessee, so like they they get they get like the second tier SEC teams that mm-hmm. just like can beat them and a couple of those are on the road. And then you've got like there's no shot that Alabama gets upset, right? And LSU gets a home game against the worst team in the Big 12. And, mm-hmm. you know, Florida and Kansas State, like, that that Kansas State should win. It's at home. But, like, that's another one where it's like, the, I, I just don't like the matchups all yeah. that much um, at the top for for the for the Big 12. At the that's bottom, where, it's fine, right? That's it, where the dynamic scheduling should have come into play. And we would have a, a true challenge, but yeah. know, this being the last year, that's the Big Twelve challenge. What what would your what would your matchups be? That's that's so, an interesting thing. Yeah, I think you take the, I think you take the standings either two weeks out, or three weeks out. So you have to have some time for ticket sales, whatever, and go whether you want to go conference standings. I know it will still be early. Do net rankings or Ken Palm rankings, Torvik the T rank, and just go best on best, second on second third on third, right? So I think if you're looking at it, you're getting Kansas and Bama. Well, I guess I guess Kansas and Bama. Maybe you're getting um, Texas and Bama. You're getting Kansas and um, Kansas and Baylor. Like, you're still getting these high-profile matchups, the big names against each other, but you're getting more quality matchups as opposed to a Bama-Oklahoma or a – TCU, Mississippi State, right? Now suddenly TCU is going to play um, going to play Tennessee, right? Like I, I like yeah. to me though, you get more of those matchups as opposed to just the big name Kansas, Kentucky, and then that really good Texas, Tennessee matchup. Like I think you expand it to three or four, maybe even five. Oh, that's a that's a big game, kind of games. Yeah, I, I would probably go. I would keep Kansas, Kentucky, just because I think that, I mean kind of, the yeah. eyeballs on that. You can't not do that. Um, I would probably go. I would go. Te- Al- Baylor, Alabama. Um, yeah, I t- Texas, Tennessee is fine. Uh, West Virginia. I actually really like that West Virginia Auburn matchup because I think that's where a lot of this. Like, I mean, it's the first game, right? 
Would you and... take Auburn in Lubbock against Texas Tech? Would you pick Auburn in that game? I mean, yeah, but that, that like... I just, I just I don't know, know. Where, where the bar was for, like, your Auburn fraudulency. If it was <laughs> that far, if it was at West Virginia. No, I, I just think West Virginia is better than, than than their record would indicate. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech is, is is Texas Tech is now out of the top seventy in Ken Palm for a reason, right? West yeah. Virginia's up to twenty one. Are they a top twenty five team? No. But I don't think Auburn is either. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fair. Um, I just didn't know how far your Auburn like how far down it went before you're like, no, Auburn Auburn fits in here. <laughs> no, but I also think part of it too is just the matchup. Like I think yeah. West Virginia is a matchup nightmare for Auburn. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't even know what my bold prediction was anymore. But <laughs> oh, SEC wins the all 12, the big the big matchups, all the big games, and I think yeah. they they also win some of those games in blowouts. Um, and then I the like big, it. Big Twelve wins the other games, but it's closer. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, we'll all be sitting on our couches watching. Enjoying it as the calendar gets ready to flip February and the NFL playoffs winding down. We're getting into prime college basketball season where college basketball kind of takes center stage. This is, this is when it gets fun and it starts this weekend. Um, and then you get to March and people find out about Florida Atlantic and yeah, all breaks loose. But go out. <laughs> no, they'll, they'll hear about our city and college Charleston. <laughs> yeah. But the real ones know FAU's better team. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Heat Check Hangout. Thank you guys very much for listening or watching up on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure you like, subscribe, review, all those things every podcast tells you to do. They help. We need that as well. For our co-host, Carter Hope and Riley Davis, thank you all very much for listening or watching. I'm Brian Ralph. We'll talk to you again next time. Basketball, basketball, college. Basketball, basketball, college. Oh, Whoa, basketball, college. Oh. Basketball, basketball, college. Oh. Basketball, basketball, college. Oh. Whoa, basketball, college.